Hey everyone, welcome to Dance Colleges and Careers, brought to you by InstaDance. Professional training to dynamically style your technique, stage presence, and confidence. My name is Brittany Noltzmeyer, and I'll be your guide to helping you find the perfect college for you. Dance Colleges and Careers is here to provide you with information about different colleges, what to expect, and how to find the right college for your dance style. Go to instadancecoach.com with any further questions and follow me on social media at instadancecoach, I-N-S-T-A-D-A-N-C-E-C-O-A-C-H. Let's hit it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dance Colleges and Careers. Today, we have a special guest. His name is Max Vesapoli. He is a graduate and former staff member of the Bryan School of Theater Arts at the University of the Arts, and he currently serves as an academic advisor for high school programs at the University of Pennsylvania, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hey, Max, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. So Max is an experienced adjudicator and educator. He's entering his eighth competition season, having adjudicated across the U.S. and Canada. Max also adjudicated season eight finale of Life of Dance Moms, Heyo, and he consulted the Wilma Theater's production of Pulitzer Prize finalist, Dance Nation. He's currently on the roster of Impact Dance Adjudicators and regularly contributes to their blog and podcast. So welcome to our show as well, Max. Thank you so much. Max also worked alongside of Cirque du Soleil's international tour, and he's also been a guest speaker at many schools and theater groups. So let's get to it, Max. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I grew up doing the arts and, and theater and dance and, um, and and ended up going to the University of the Arts. And I studied at the Brin School. I was there. I got my BFA in musical theater. And then I took the usual route and kind of uh, worked and taught while I was uh, in school and then continued that when I finished school. So I knew education was something I really, really wanted to have in my life alongside performing. And I'm very lucky that that's been able to happen. I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people have felt that way too um, yeah. on your show and beyond who are teachers. Um, but I ended up kind of parlaying that into a full-time position at the University of the Arts um, when I began, I uh, was the assistant to the director there at the School of Theater for about four years. So everything from welcoming new students to helping people graduate um, and really acting as an advisor in, in that role. And currently that's what I do at UPenn, which is just around the corner from UArts here in West Philadelphia. Obviously a very different crowd, um, definitely STEM-based, people who are interested much more in math and sciences rather than the art. The advisor role still remains the same, really helping people through their, their coursework, making sure they get good grades and are able to continue on with us. Great. So as an advisor at UPenn, even though it varies slightly from the theatrical world, it's it's still the same academically, right? So what are what are some of the main things you help students get through? That's a great point. Yeah, of course, advisors are going to have very similar roles, regardless of where you are. And we were just talking a little bit before this. I think a lot of students don't realize they're going to have someone that helps walk them through this process, what classes to take, what happens if you do fail a class, what happens if you have to repeat, if you want to take an internship on, if you want to take a class over the summer. Those are all very similar things that we see, regardless of what you're studying, right? And then also, if something happens and you want to change to pass-fail grading, or you didn't maintain a certain grade level, what happens then? Really working with students on their behalf to make sure that they get their education as they want it. I think, too, really looking and planning 
Are there elective credits that you might want to use? Is there something you're interested in studying without having a formalized major or minor around it? I think exactly like you said, that's that's true of anyone who's a student. So there's a lot of similarities. Diving a little bit here into the arts. I've heard sometimes advisors can either say like, you know, maybe you get two years into school and then they, oh wait, this is going to be a real downer. You get two years into school and they can start to advise you maybe towards a different major or maybe like, hey, this might not work for your for your life because you're not really following this path that we thought you were going to. Is that a position that you ever have to be in? I feel like when that happens, students just, you know, feel that knife to the heart. But you're an advisor for a reason. I guess I've seen people totally break down from that and other people thrive from that. Absolutely. That's actually a great way of putting it because people, some people, students, especially by the time they are a junior, let's say that's a great example. They've been through enough of this coursework that they're seeing this is something I love, or this is not what I expected, or after school, I'm not sure how this will work particularly, or an injury. Sometimes an injury happens and you have to take off and you have to figure out what you're going to do for a year while you heal. I think that's probably more so what we see a lot of in the arts, or you get a tour and you come back to school or things like that. Um, yeah. I think you're right alongside saying, what do you do in those situations? And ultimately it's the student. It's the student who's putting in their energy, time, money, whatever investment that they're putting in. So ultimately it's up to them to choose what they want to do. I think it's our role as advisors, especially in those kind of more scary moments or troubling moments that all students will have. There are many paths to the same goal, right? Even if you didn't complete course of study this year, you could come back, you could take a leave of absence, you can transfer. And I think that's a lot of people don't realize that all of those options are available to you. And sometimes it's just based on credits. You don't pass something. And so you're not going to get a minor, let's say, or you just want to take something outside of your major and you want to move towards it. It really moves you towards something completely different. So that's right, too. It's always up to the student and what they want to do unless it's an emergency situation. But I think don't ever don't ever think that you can't catch up, too. That's the other portion. I feel like a lot of people are saying, I'm two years into it. I have to complete it. Otherwise, I won't have anything. School, school is on your own terms. You get to choose when you want to finish at college, especially. And there's so many ways to the same path that sometimes we forget that you don't have to go straight through. There's a lot of people who don't go straight through and they choose something else or they come back to it or they transfer to a completely different program and they love it just as much. So be open to that as a student too. This is the first time you get to choose where you want to go. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good way to put it because I, I feel like sometimes being advised that way, you think that's the only option, but it really is ultimately up to the student and you are a growing adult to make those right. decisions. And I really like what you said, that there are different paths to the same goal. And I think in the next few years, we'll see a lot of people who start out in like a um, an associate's program or community college, especially in the next few years, a lot of people have been displaced by the pandemic. So, you know, studying dance right now isn't maybe a great idea for every single person. Some people are too far along or they don't want to stop their education. But certainly, I think we'll see a lot of people who go from an associate's program into a BFA or a BA program and go upwards from there. You can go into a master's degree program from there. But I think we'll see a lot of people making their own amalgamations of their way to a degree in the next few years. Yeah. Okay. So looking at the next freshman coming in, so we're looking at year 2021. Do you have any recommendations? Like where do you see students are most successful? You're up in the Northeast. So I don't know, I guess, would you encourage people to really take those academics now? continue to dance at their old studios or find places that are still open to 
be active? You are saying all the right things. Yes, I think we'll see that. I think we will see people who are, and that's maybe one of the tips I can give for students who are looking ahead. If you're a current senior, you're taking a gap year, you're doing whatever you can this year into next, is to be mindful of that everyone is going to be going through that. There's going to be a lot more kind of options and gap year programming gap year programming than we've seen in the past. But I think one of the things you can be prepared for is if you're not in school right now, but you want to work towards this is continue your training, ask around, ask other people at your studio, whether they're alumni, whether they're people who have taught there, where did you go to school? What did you like about it? Did you have any injuries while you were there? there? Did you get set off track in any way? Because sometimes people will have really great insight into, you know, I had this injury and it sidelined me, but I found this other thing and I'm super happy with that. Or, you know, I didn't like this program and I transferred and I loved it. So I would also, I would say, start with your community and see what options are within that. And then I think the other thing is, yeah, don't stop. Try to find something to keep you active, whether it's TAing at your local studio or your home studio or community college, even just a few online credits. Because when you get to a full program, having those liberal arts classes will really help you. I think, especially with time management, you have to realize that a lot of this coursework is not just in class, but there's rehearsals, there's auditions you may want to do. There's an opportunity outside the city, let's say, that you want to go pursue. You want to free up your time a little bit, if you can, by getting some of the liberal arts classes out of the way. That way you're taking those studio courses actually in session at a BA, BFA program. It'll mm-hmm. save you some time, open up a little bit of free time for you, and maybe even get you some elective credits somewhere too. If you're uh, someone interested in like a conservatory program, like was U of Arts a conservatory when you went there? Is it still a conservatory? Very much so. Not very much so. And then not very much so to answer okay. your questions. When I went, there was a class of 20 musical theater students. Okay. And now there's around 50. So you move through with that cohort, but you're not only with that cohort. What about someone who might see themselves going more towards a conservatory program? Would they, that idea of get your liberal arts classes out of the way, I'm not sure exactly how those transfer to a liberal arts school versus a conservatory school. Would that be worth it? Could they see themselves wasting time? I mean, education is never a waste of time, in my opinion, but oh, of course. wasting money or not towards their specific goal they think they're looking for. That's a great question. And I think if you have, if you're already, let's say you're deferred from a school for until a year or two years, you can go and ask them, especially as a deferred student, an admitted student even, and say, hey, I'm interested in taking a couple classes at my local community college over the summer. What might transfer? What would be a good usage of my time? And if they have a good advisor, whether they're inside to you or even it's just your program director, they'll let you know. But most things will will transfer if you get a solid grade, if you've already kind of done the, the check work on both ends. Am I getting this class from an accredited institution? Am I bringing it into an accredited institution? And as long as you do strong enough, you, it's most likely that you will be able to. But I think one of the, the steps you should definitely take if you're looking for and paying for college credits, whether it be at a community college, what have you, is to make sure it will transfer in. And mm-hmm. some very general coursework will, if it's just a class about uh, but on the 20th century or writing for film and television or, you know, something that's a little bit more general, it could definitely fulfill some of these, some of these courses and some of these uh, requirements way more than like ballet one, ballet two, right. studio <laughs> one. you know, you want to go towards those more generalized things and it'll free up time for yourself as well, that you'll be able to know that, okay, I have my paper due and I can still go do these other things. But typically most schools want those transfer credits. They want to help you out. Unless you've done poorly or it's not a credit institution or you used dual enrollment might 
will be a very popular thing in the next few years for uh-huh. high school seniors and juniors to take classes while they're applying to college. Sometimes you can't use those because they've been used for your high school diploma, things like that. There's a little bit of gray area, but I would the major thing here is to check with your program, check with your advisor before you go and get these classes, get signed up in these classes over the summer or something. And then, you know, you want to make sure that they transfer before you. You know, in... In my high school, I did all those dual enrollment classes. It was great. You know, got a whole bunch out of the way and took calculus. And then I got to college and all my other things transferred as they were supposed to. And calculus was counted as an elect. All that sweat and tears in calc for an elective when I could have been taking yoga. (laughs) Right, exactly. And you never know how it'll break down in in your overall degree pursuit. You won't know how it may or may not help you or how they'll how the director or the advisor will allocate those. Mm-hmm. So typically when you applied and got in and decided to matriculate to your program, they look at your what you've taken already and they'll say, we'll transfer this here, we'll transfer this there. And then they'll make your schedule around that. So we can see like, I like myself, I got out of the first half of first year writing one. So I was in first year writing two. So it didn't really, as a, as a freshman entering the program. So I was a little bit ahead of people, but it didn't help me graduate any faster. It just helped me, like you were saying, a little bit of elective credits or credits here and there. But certainly they probably had a pretty small requirement of math specific courses. Yeah. So they were just like, oh, this is extra for you. Um, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, we had to take a lot more history than math. Okay, so I would love to talk about transferring. I feel it can be very terrifying to transfer because you go to a college, you have your whole heart and mind set on that, and that's your future for the next four years, for the rest of your life, really. If you're there and you decide this isn't right for you, how much is that going to set you back? Is it a big mistake to try to transfer or... I guess, how much further do you think it could set you back? I think at most, maybe a year, depending on if you're switching from, I will use a student example without saying their name. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a student at UArts who went from the dance program to the acting program because of an injury. And that did set them back about a year, just because you're making up those studio courses that you didn't take as a, let's say, a dance major or whatever major you were before. I think what's a little bit more kind of pressing and what might be a more difficult sell is the timeline because once you enter in this this cycle of applications that means you're going to be looked at with current seniors so you're going to have to apply like once you get to school if you're looking for the next year to to transfer you have to know pretty quickly so that's tough to say because a lot of people want to test it out or they think it's a great fit except for this one or two thing it won't set you back hopefully if you've made a good partnership with the school you're hoping to go to here's what i've already completed and they may ask you that in your interview or your audition what have you already completed? What didn't you like? Or what are you hoping to get out of this program? So I would say have an answer for that. And an honest one too. It's okay if you're honest. I, I don't like this program. It wasn't for me. I'm in the city and I want to be in the country, whatever it is. It's okay mm-hmm. to be really honest about that. I think that shows your own sense of self-reflection that you've taken some time. That this is a big decision to make. Uh, hopefully it's not life altering, but it is mm-hmm. educational altering, right? You yeah. Some time and energy. To answer your question most succinctly, I think some programs have required courses you must take to must take through them. You cannot take anything in or transfer anything in. And that might like uh, music for dancers, mm-hmm. uh, physiology, uh, things like that, that are very specific to a school or a program. Mm-hmm. And so some of those you may not be able to, you might have to retake those or take them again. And what's negative in this sense is that a lot of dance programs, musical theater programs, performing arts programs are, only have a few sections of something. So you might be a junior by credit, but you have to take the sophomore class because it's only run. There's only one section of it run. So be mindful of 
that that you may have to play around a little bit with levels or, uh, you know, everyone's taking the sophomore practicum class and I'm a junior, but I'm taking that class as well at the same time. So be prepared for that. But it's not hopefully it's not life altering. Right. Hopefully right. you've made the right decision. And I think on the most hand or on the other hand, most colleges will want to help you out if you're a trans. They want that to be seamless as possible. They're not going to start you from the way beginning again. They know that you're working on this experience and especially in dance that you've been working up in musical theater, that you're working up your strength, you're working up your knowledge and your musicality. They don't want to stop and have you start restart again. Um, so most places will work with you to make sure your transfer credits move over. Um, and most likely you'll be able to st stay at your class rank as well. So if you're a junior, you'll continue in your junior year, et cetera. Okay. So if a student comes to you and they talk about, um, wanting to switch schools, try to find every last bit of, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Or is it, is it like you can tell if a student's made up their mind? Like, do you advise them away from it? Or is it, you know, I guess, case by case basis? I think sometimes it's useful to have a conversation about legit, like really like hard set logistics. I want to perform more and there's no chance of that here. What can I do? Well, maybe you could make your own group. Maybe you could go join this group or there's, you know, professional opportunities here and there. Right. Um, so start that first. And I think most of the time, most of the time I give students a lot of credit because they have done this work. It's not easy for them to say like, I want to change. I want to do this. If they're set on it, there's usually something major, not just, I didn't like it. It's right, like, right. No, this is not for me. I don't want to stay here. And that does a disservice to the student and the teacher and myself as well. If I tell you to stick it out and like, I'll hope for the best. If you don't like it, that's up to you. And you know what you want out of your education way more than I do. And there's a lot of options within that. But I think um, to answer your question, like I always listen to what the student has to say first. And I might say, here's a couple options, or I've seen other students do this. Mm -hmm. That's not meant to change their mind. It's meant to just open up the conversation. Like there's some other options here. If these are the few things, maybe five or six things that you're hesitant about, here's a few answers to them. But ultimately it's up to the student. They may also just love this other program or the program has something very specific in you know, a pedagogy class or something that they're really into and they really want to follow that or they're ready to move somewhere else, something like that, or financially and that, that kind of thing too. I think uh, fi finances can definitely play a part in transferring or finding another program sure. and stuff like that. We, I can't, I can't tell you to, you know, take out more loans or, right. <laughs> try to, you know, that's not, that's not my role. And I don't want that to be my role. If you lost your academic, let's say you got a scholarship and you lost the scholarship for whatever reason. Mm that is a big deterrent for a lot of people. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you to come back to school knowing that it's not a good fit for your long-term mental health. So I think giving students the benefit of the doubt, I always do. I always say students know this. They they have spent probably way more time thinking about their own transfer than I ever will. So they're ultimately the ones that if they want to do it, they're going to go do it. And if they don't, you know, we've done the best that we can to help them and give them hopefully some solutions. How about... With thoughts on if a if a performer gets a job while in college, they get a cruise ship, they book Disney or I mean Broadway. But do they ever come to you and do you encourage them to finish an education while they take that job? Or is it okay, you know, cut ties, go to your job and if you want to go back to school, you figure it out? What are your thoughts on that? It's a little bit of both. It depends. One of the major deciding factors is the length of time that you're out of school. So if you started a program and you take five years off to exactly like you said, mm -hmm. be on a national tour or um, just explore your other options or you get a gig or whatever, um, 
if it's five years, you might have to reapply and you'd have to come back and re-audition. If typically if it's a year, we can do a leave of absence, which is basically like putting a pause on your degree pursuit. And we say, see you in a year. Hopefully, you know, something comes of it and we'll see you. And if not, we understand. So that's probably the first thing for a student to say, like, I want to take a leave of absence. I want to continue this or not. Um, I think if it was like a highly specialized program or something that you don't think you can get back into or, um, you know, if there's certain kind of contractual obligations to your acceptance, you may have to stick it out or come back. But for most students, I think it the first thing is the length of time. If it's a week, two weeks that you might need to be away, you can take, you know, you can figure that out with your teachers. But if it's a year, two years, you may want to take a leave of absence. And I think coming back to answer your question, a lot of people, and I'm certainly, I think people who work in the arts end up taking on a lot of gigs once they come back off of something like that to make up for the time lost Mm -hmm. and just before the next thing happens. And typically most conservatories are going to be a full-time uh, experience. You're going to have to, you know, be there for 9:30 ballet, and you'll leave at 4 p.m. And you might have rehearsals at night if you're really going to do a BFA, especially a BFA program where it is very rigorous. You may not physically have the time as an as at that point you'd be an adult, right? You wouldn't be a late in your mid 20s. You may not be wanting to set back into a full time program. And most of these programs are full time. They're designed to be full time. And part time students typically aren't eligible for the same things, whether it be programs, whether it be um, financial opportunities, things like that. So be mindful of that, of how you, if you want to step back into it, it's probably the only thing you can do right now. You may have to really focus your energies. You're not going to have a lot of outside time, which could be hard for someone who's mid twenties to say, I can't work. I just have to do this, or I'm only going to take off small projects to do, but I'm sure there's people out there that do that as well. They figure out how they want to do it or teach. And it really depends on your program, but I would say the majority of especially rigorous programs are going to be a full-time experience. So you have to throw yourself right back in when you come back yeah. and say, I really, really want to do this. I have to figure this out and I want to be on track and be done. Go on another <laughs> cruise or excursion or yeah, uh, yeah. national tour. Yeah. Do you wish you had that focused, personal touch to pinpoint your exact trouble spots in your dance routine? Learn to unlock your waiting potential and rise above the competition with your own dynamic dance stylist. Why waste hours and days practicing without a step-by-step strategy in an action-packed plan created specifically for you? You'll see great improvements in just the first week. Fire up the fierce dancer inside with our detailed yet focused program where you can attain results that usually take dancers months. Click the link in the description or email Brittany at instadancecoach at gmail.com to apply. That's I-N-S-T-A-D-A-N-C-E-C-O-A-C-H at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. I'm asking you a lot of hypotheticals right now, so I think I should take a step back. Let's talk for 18-year-olds trying to get into college. Where do we begin? What, What would you say step one or something to start thinking about? That's a good question. And we, I kind of touched upon it before. And I do some of this for classes that I teach, whether it's for a competition or I've done it here for local theaters. I always talk about your community. So in dance, your community, especially as 18 and 19 year olds, like that's who you go to, whether it's someone who just graduated from your studio, someone you learn from, someone you met at a convention, start there. Who, where are those people looking at? Where did they go? What did they like? What didn't they like? Because ultimately that's a good through line for you. Okay. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a dancer. Let me ask my teacher who is a dancer. That's the first one. I think the second one is really go out there and maybe look at some of these lists. What are some of the best programs for what I want to do? Take from that list and really look at the degree program. That's what's ultimately going to make the difference between these programs that are very similar. You can see like, okay, this one's way too heavy on liberal arts. I'm not interested in that. This one has an internship requirement. 
I do want to do that. This one would allow me to teach or there's a pedagogy portion of it, get certified as a teacher. So really look at the programs. I think that's something that people often miss out on. And then I think the next step is to start to prepare yourself to actually go to these different programs, whether it's an open house, whether it's a virtual open house, whether it's just reading their materials. So you're a little bit prepared on how they talk, on what they, the types of things they they stress in all of their marketing, because that, that'll show you what kind of program it is too. The next step is definitely to look at their audition requirements, which I'm sure we can talk all day about, but that's a huge portion of it too, whether it's an odd video audition, which it probably will be for the time being, whether they do pre-screening auditions, whether they do unified auditions or regional auditions, that's a whole other portion of this. And that's how you physically audition for the school. And there's lots of different ways to do that. That's the start of it. And then I think ultimately you, you will get feedback, right? You either get in, you get deferred, you get denied, you get some feedback from that. But I think you've done your homework enough to realize what do I really want out of this? What am I looking for? Where are some people that have done this before me? In my experience, typically, this is a new process for a lot of people. Many people have applied to college, but performing arts colleges are Mm -hmm. a whole other situation. And for most people, they're the only ones in their family doing it. So you're, you know, you don't have a family of like 10 dancers and you're like, oh, this, I got this. I know how to do this. Usually the whole family's involved figuring out how to do this. And, oh, well, this program asked for this type of an audition and this program wants this type. Pay attention to that too, to really look at what the audition requirements are. Do you fulfill them? Can you fulfill them right now? And then I think also just have fun. Like, I know that sounds really (laughs) trite, but have fun. A lot of this is really nervousness. You know, there's a lot of nervousness around this. But I think colleges are ultimately looking for people that have let that pass, right? Like now you're here, you're really doing the thing. We want to see that you can really get your education too, that you've thought about your education. You're ready to start working on this. It's not a typical degree pursuit. So you do need people who are very motivated. Yeah, And I think doing all of those steps and doing all your research shows that motivation as well. When would you say is a good time to start doing that research? Like sophomore year, junior year, July of your senior year, like realistically, I think maybe sophomore year, like you were saying, like more year. And then if you wanted to do, because it's also a good time to do like an intensive, if you yeah. wanted to go study at one of these colleges, mm-hmm. there's so many pre-college programs. We were just talking about it that, that people can go kind of get a taste of some of these programs before yeah. they go. So you might want to do that your sophomore year. You might have to just wait till junior year based on your time frame, or like some of these programs have a, you know, a grade requirement. But I think if you start looking sophomore year, you can start to really ask questions of, of different places. You can spend some time, take some notes. If you go visit a college, take some notes as soon as you go. What are some feelings you had while you were there? What are some questions that you had while there, while you were there? What are some things you really liked, didn't like? And start to collect that as you go through your college experience. Because then you can look back, even when you're writing your admissions essay, you can make it specific. Well, I visited your school and I really liked XYZ thing about it. It doesn't have to be that way, but it will certainly help to stand out if you've already gone there and done a little bit of legwork or even in, you know, a virtual orientation, a virtual meeting that I'm sure that we'll see in the next few years. I attended this open house, this virtual open house, and I loved this aspect. That will really help. So I think you're right around like sophomore year because then junior year is, is usually an overload for a lot of people yeah. academically, taking a lot of standardized testing. You're, you're kind of looking forward towards senior year. And a lot of the stuff you'll see is very similar year to year, the same audition dates, the same kind of audition locations. So a lot of those you can kind of bank on, but I think you're right around looking ahead, starting around your sophomore year. So you can plan ahead if you want to attend uh, an intensive, if your grades are 
could be better. <laughs> I'll put yeah. it that way. Your grades could be a little bit more solid, or even if there's grades places that you're, you know, wobbling a little bit, or I want a little bit more consistency in my my math grade, let's say, it'll help you realize those things for the next two years. All right, they have a GPA requirement of 3.2. That means I need to bring up my history lesson, my history grade a little bit, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. And also you have to realize that most people applying to colleges will only they'll only have up into their transcript for the the first half of their senior year. Sometimes you may not even have it by the time if you do like ED, early decision or early action. So you need to make sure that your grades for junior year are solid, good to go. And then when you get your transcript, your senior year, you know, hopefully you may, it may or may not just depending on when you apply, Hmm. you may or may not have grades yet. You can't really, you can use senior year a little bit if you're really doing something High level AP classes, like you were saying, college readiness classes or dual enrollment, most schools are not going to always see those grades, especially depending on your school district. You may not have them ready until like the end of December before you applied for early decision or early action. So junior year is really important academically. It is. Absolutely. And I think even, I know in my BFA program, it was the most difficult academically. It was just so much, you know, you're building upon it, everything. And then even in the work I do now, we try to not, (laughs) I don't want to say leave the seniors alone, but we know that they're applying places. They are busy doing call, you know, much more kind of specific things for their own education. We're not going to overload them with tons of opportunities or tons of additional classes, but definitely junior year is important. Do you have any advice on that, that college essay? I feel like that usually gets, that's a pretty stressful part because you have to really put yourself out on paper and grammatically correct. So do you have any tips on that? Do you do you do any work with the with the admissions essays? So I don't work in undergraduate admissions here at, at Penn, but we do require um, written statements, written personal statements from our applicants. One is around. One is really general, and it's around like, does your transcript really accurately capture your experience in co- in high school? Hmm. Um, which I really like that question because some people say, yes, I, I'm, I'm a student through and through and I've spent all my time doing this and my grades reflect that. And some say, no, like I know that I didn't do well here and I needed to um, work a little bit harder in my math class. And so I did. So they're all going to be d- different. Yeah, it is. It is interesting because I think it gives students a way to kind of talk up themselves a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is just around extracurriculars. But I think most of the most of the the writing done in and like college essays in general can in a lot of ways they are they can only benefit you right if there's a question on your application or your grades or if there was if you switch schools or something use it to write about that you say like i i know my grades weren't great my sophomore year i wanted to bring them up it's okay if you kind of reference yourself we're looking for that self awareness i think and in most places it's not a deny we're not going to I don't think many places would deny you based off of the statement. It's only going to help you unless it's, and, and watch out because some of them may be very specific. Like why does this program meet your educational goals? Hmm. And in that case, you have to go do your homework. What is this program about? What is the teaching about? Mm -hmm. What, how do I relate to it? And certainly I think this is a place to show off your research as well. Like if you've done all those steps and really looked at it, and you said, like, I have fallen in love with your program for these five reasons. And they're very good reasons. Like, that's a great essay. And, and I think sometimes people will look for that rather than, you know, what what $30 word did you use? Right. Sometimes it's more of, especially for what we're talking about, dance and theater. Yeah. Getting to know the person. 
way more, way more. Yeah. About getting to know the person rather than, you know, are they going to, are they good? The writing skills we understand can fluctuate, especially between artists. So I think it's a good time to show your research, show what you've done. If you have any former experience with the, with the program or with the college, definitely include that. And I think it's also a time, I think students don't realize like it's not graded. Like we're not (laughs) at that point. Everything's graded. (laughs) Right. Like nothing's graded on your application. Like it is a time for you to really express yourself. If you have a really strong statement, if you have something that really, you know, made your experience at this college or made you want to apply, bring that forward because most of them will be kind of general and then some will be very specific. So pay attention to those. Nowadays, everybody is so intense about their community service hours. I have to do my community service hours to get into college. Right. That's that's how the statement often goes. Of course, not always. Is that something in what you see? Do you see these community service hours really help students get into college? Is that certain schools other more than others? Some schools will have community community service as part of their own ethos. We give back to the community in these ways or this program specifically, especially if it's probably like dance education based, you may have like a whole kind of mission statement on it that they're asking you to kind of reflect upon. I think extracurriculars in general can, again, can only help you. If you were, you know, first clarinet, though you're, or no, that's not a good example. If you join the band, right, your freshman year, and then by senior year, you were the, the section leader of your section, like that growth. Well, that's not an extracurricular. It could be. I th- it is. So it can be. Or uh, the outside of it, parts of it can be. I'm just using that as an example. But some of those are classic. Anyway, it depends on where you go to high school. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's an example of like music has been, you know, let's let's use that person. Right. Music has been my like dream or I've really enjoyed playing in my concert band. I moved up. I've stayed with this for a while and I, and I stuck with it and I did a good job. I think to me, that's something I definitely look for is I started my chess club and now I'm the president of it. Or, you know, I started this thing in, in freshman year and I'm now I'm grown all the way through it because I think a lot of, you know, you can join a lot of clubs. It doesn't mean you really intake them or you really are stuck with it and was dedicated. You haven't dedicated. Yeah. Right. Versus some of the things that, you know, we do as in high school that are like, oh, I loved doing this, but it wasn't curricular. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are, especially applying for these majors are very similar. Like I had like, okay, grades, but I had done every show and I had really put myself forward with the drama club and with our theater group. And I wrote about that. It wasn't necessarily something I did for a grade, but I wrote about it. And extracurriculars, I think, especially community service can only help you really, unless there's this really specific requirement about right. it, with a, whether it's the college or whether it's the program that you're going to. And certainly I think I've read a lot of really great ones where I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So again, it can only help you. It's your personal experience that you've created rather than what we should tell you is what you should have done before you got here. Sure. So that can only help you, I think, is your extracurriculars. And if you happen to have gone with them for a few years, highlight that for sure. There's a big difference between a BA and a BFA program, obviously. And I feel like the BFA used to be the thing you strived for and maybe it still is for like people but i've been hearing a lot more that people are that students are wanting to double major more and maybe go for that ba so that they can have other opportunities do, do you see that do you hear that and can you give us some insight on that majorly that is a major component of what's going on in this industry right now and there's more generalized programs that are looking for this more generalized either public program, uh, I should say like public colleges or large pro- colleges that 
want musical theater programs or want dance programs because of how specific they are. And there's huge interest right now. So they're looking to get more conservatory-like. And then the opposite is true of conservatory-like programs. A lot of them are looking at how can we have collaboration be part of our program? How can we have, you have to take something outside of your major or you can, or at another college. I think it's, again, another one of those things where students have to really look at, and students and parents have to really look at what they're hoping to get out of their their education. A minor, even declaring a minor, won't always land you a job. It might just be that you took a lot of took a lot of business classes that you fit into your schedule. So I think as a performing arts student, it's really important to realize like your time, you're not going to have abundant time all the time to be to take courses outside of your major. So if you want a minor, if you want something like that, go after it. But I think also realize that not every class will become a minor, mm-hmm. right? And that's something to remember that most employers, most people, especially in audition setting, are not going to look at your minor. Okay. It may be just for you. And also people don't realize that declaring a minor means you have to meet a certain number of credits in that, or even sometimes you have to meet several of them, right? If it's something that's accounting 101, 102, 103, 104, and that's the minor. That means you're using at least four classes in that minor. So you have to be really sure. Whether I mean, it could be education, which would be really useful, or business, which would be really useful. But be mindful that your extra times, your extracurriculars or your electives are going to be used for this minor, for something that you may not use. And so, so I think, and especially in BA programs, that's kind of a selling point, is that you can you have this a little bit lighter of a load, but more varied. And you can kind of insert classes a little bit easier than a BFA. BFA, typically, like the load is pretty heavy to start with. And it lightens as you go through like junior, senior year. It lightens just a little bit because they think that you're getting ready for a career Mm -hmm. and auditioning and things like that. That's a tough question. And I think it's, again, it's so so specific to every program that you look at. But you, this is a good point. This is a good point to ask a current student. Okay. Say, I see that you're, or could I speak to a current student? You get admitted. Can I speak to a current student about this? Because they might have great insight that we would never know, right? I'm higher level administration. Like I may not know about this person who's doing exactly what you're talking about. And sometimes that's the best selling point. And can someone can really walk you through it. I did this. I don't know if I would recommend it or I did it and I loved it. And I think everyone should do it. How about getting out of school? Somebody, if you're in an audition situation, do you see, does someone look at the paper and say, oh, BA or BFA, how much does that matter behind the table? Because you mentioned the minor probably doesn't, matter too much. In, in that setting, the minor may or all right, if you were auditioning and they wanted you to also write some songs or to teach a little bit on the side, and you had a minor of one of those things, songwriting or education, like you're a shoo-in, right? You're yeah. a shoo-in. And some places are like that. If you do like a children's national tour or like children's theater, like they want you to teach. They want you to be able to do a little bit of the creative process yourself. Or, right. you know, they may want someone who can do a little, little bit of both. Or sometimes you may just want to make the yourself. costumes, make the sets. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, sometimes, yeah, so sometimes. But that, I mean, that's a good, and we all know stories. We all know stories of people where that happens. Oh, I see this on your resume. Can you really do this? Mm-hmm. Can you do this for, you know what I mean? Like that will, that natural exchange will happen for people. But I think ultimately it's more important to say, like, I took four years of singing, of, of voice lessons, or I took four years of, say, tap. That's way more impressive than I, I don't know as an auditioner, but tap minor includes at your school or whatever, right? or the accounting minor includes at your school. Yeah. So to saying that to me, I don't really have a good reference of it, sure. but to say like, oh, I took two years of accounting or general manage office management that, that can help you out like way more. And I think especially starting out 
as a young performer, uh, it's you think that that's all they're going to look at is like, what's on my resume? What school? What did I take? Right. But it, ultimately, it's it's your audition that does those things for you. Mm-hmm. And I think school can help, right? School helps you train that level. Mm-hmm. And I think between BA and BFA, one of the probably maybe one of the selling points or, you know, kind of pluses for BFAs is that that sense of rigor is there, that you've only done these couple things for four years. You've really spent a lot of time in the studio, figuring out your practical, figuring out if you have to do a thesis project, all of those things that you've spent time doing them. I think that's probably the one time that like a BFA versus a BA would really kind of swing in your favor. And also the idea of stamina, just that you're dancing every single day in a BFA program and a BA program is a little bit more general. There's not such a uh, cut and dry curriculum like that. Okay. Here's going to be probably a weird, tricky question. So let's say I'm a college student. I get into the B, I want, I want a BFA. I get into my dream school, but the BA, I don't get into the BFA. And I get into another school that's pretty nice. Not my dream school, but I get into the BFA. Do you have any advice there of how to weigh that out? I mean, that's like really hypothetical, (laughs) just playing games here. But I feel like that's a lot. But that's a lot of people is like, I can go to that. I think I even heard on one of your shows of like going to a BA program and it's a more general course of study, but I got into in-state tuition and it's like half price of a BFA. And like, okay, when am I really going to be happy here? Am I really going to like it versus something that I want to go towards? I think that question there is really based on looking at maybe some of the the things you want to get out of your experience. If you're thinking, I want to perform in a winter concert and a summer concert and do some teaching and this and that, you may want to go for the BFA program because those things are kind of in set. Those things are part of the curriculum. But you'll have more teaching and more performing opportunities. It's very likely that you will, um, or they're built into your, they're built into your program. They're meant to be part of your program. So if you're like, I want to keep on doing that. I, you know, I want to continue to um, work towards a professional level Mm -hmm. of dance or theater, definitely a BFA and a BA, I think would help you in that circumstance if you wanted to say a little bit more general, there might be performance opportunities. They may be fewer and far between. There's also probably like a thesis project with a BFA or some sort of project or some sort of culmination that you may want, whether it's a showcase, whether it's a just an exhibit of your senior work, whether it's an actual performance. Typically, that's not the same with BA programs. They are a little bit more general. You take the class, maybe if you want to build up through the class, sure. But I think it's a, it's also the opportunities available to you when you get there. Like, what is the career readiness like you're kind of talking about? What's the career readiness going to look like for both of these places? Probably in the BFA, they're really going to sell their cohort or at least try to. And BA, it's not. It's meant to be more general. Cool. So you can do a little bit more. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. These hypotheticals. Yeah. I know. I know. Okay. So this year with everything going virtual, what's changed in least in what you do and what, what, what tips do we need to know in order to not look like an idiot with our online submissions? <laughs> That's a good question. I think some of the biggest things that have changed are obviously just like interpersonal connection, which is kind of what the arts are about a little bit. So trying to get beyond that. But I think the kind of positive thing that we're all seeing is that we can all collaborate on something globally because there's no like time is very, yeah. <laughs> very relative right, right now. Right. Right? So people from anywhere can we can have this conversation right now because of what's going on. I think it's important to definitely get a, a good a good setup, a good handle of technology, a good handle, a good setup of if you have to record anything for your auditions or pre-screens. And I would definitely recommend, I don't know how many schools are doing it, but pre-screens, if you can do a pre-screen audition where you show 
three quarters of your audition, half of your audition, and then they tell you whether or not you would get to the callback. That is probably one of your best friends in the next few years because mm-hmm. um, it saves you the hassle of having to go physically go somewhere. And similarly, if there's any type of open house and Instagram live, even if you just want to write to one of the people that work in this program and say like, I'm admitted and I'm super interested in coming. Can I talk to on the phone? Can I Zoom chat with a current a current student or the head of this program? more than likely they're going to allow that. Everyone kind of understands what's going on. We've all kind of been working remotely for the last few months. So I think recruitment is is growing alongside of that. I've seen some virtual open houses, some virtual recruitment events. So that is very much where we're headed, at least for now. So definitely be mindful of those things. And then I think the other portion of it is don't forget that it's creative, right? So the arts are creative. As much as we're doing all the screen time, you still have to get up and practice it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just recording a video for your friends. Can you come watch this? Let me do something at this local studio that I used to go to. Stay active in that sense too, because I think that's going to be a huge, one, it's, when it's helpful, right? That's what we're doing. Uh-huh. We want to be creative and active. Right. And two, I think that's the one thing missing from all the screen time is like the actual practical of it. Do you have any bits of advice that maybe we haven't got to? I think the biggest the biggest one for me is if you can and most schools will allow you is if you take a tour if you're especially if you're admitted if you're admitted take advantage of every opportunity this a lot of what comes down to decision making is is how you're treated by these schools is their own efforts it'll teach you a lot about what these schools are looking for and also how they are going to treat you for four years mm-hmm. I always say that getting into for me even though it was very competitive to get into my program that was the easiest part staying there was much harder to actually motivate yourself every day to see what was available to you. I lived really close in the dorm. So that was really helpful. You know, all those little nitty gritty things are actually the deciding factors here. Sure. Talk to a, talk to someone who's gone through it. Talk to someone who's at the program right now. Talk to your the potential program director if you can, and certainly attend any open houses or admitted student stays that they have. It'll also connect you to people who are looking at the same things that you're looking at. They would have they're gotten in and there might be your classmate. That's one of the major decider factors that people forget. Once you get in, it doesn't, you know, that's when you start to decide. Um, that's the starting point of your college career. So I think that, and then also check in with yourself if you're not enjoying your college, figure out it's just something you can handle or if it's something that you don't want to do. Your education at this point is yours. So you get to do with it what you want. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's all I have for you today, Max. It was okay. That was great, really great information. I think that's going to be really helpful for everybody. Yeah. But I think it's all the questions that we hear all the time. It's yeah. like, I want to minor, major, I want to minor in everything. And you're like, I could see why, right? But, you know, it's more about the experience. I think anyone who, like, has a degree will say, like, it's more about what you did than the title, per se. Well, thanks so much, Max. It was wonderful (laughs) having you on the show. And I'll talk to you soon. Let's talk soon. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dance, Colleges, and Careers, brought to you by InstaDance. This episode is edited by Braden Grubb, and myself, Brittany Noltemeyer. Theme song is created by Matthew Claiborne at Flamingo Sound and Show. And thank you to my sponsors, the Chiropractic Center of Leesburg and Claremont in Florida, and Pure Hemp Labs. Catch you on the inside.